Sneaking up on us. It's almost here. You know, there was a little bit of time when we thought it might not happen, but it looks like it is. We're getting to a lot of stuff on the show today. Huge guests. I told you, we're bringing the heat with the World Juniors. We got TSN's Craig Button and ESPN's Chris Peters coming up on the show today. Shout out 12 Ounce Sports and Go TV. We're on channel 761. So much to get to. Let's snap it over to Saskatchewan right away. He's Adam Urban Trout. What's up, buddy? How's it going, man? We're on video now, aren't we? Yeah, the big time. The big time. We're setting it out. Shout out, James, the new producer here, hooking it up. We're rocking. We're rolling. We got so much to talk to. We got some Team Canada stuff. The WHL got pushed back as expected. Adams got beef with the hockey news yet again. What's new? So much to get to. Okay. You're a football guy, aren't you, Adam? Oh, yeah. Can can we talk about that Monday nighter though? Like like did Lamar have to take a dump? I I think so. Everybody's saying he didn't. Like with the way he was walking, they said his calves were cramping up. But I mean, it's hard not to think. So I I was almost going to have a heart attack during that game with my fantasy football playoff. You didn't bet on it though, eh? No, I'm ice cold on NFL bets. That's fair. That's that's fair. Okay, let's let's get back to hockey though. Uh, lots of stuff to talk to you, Team Canada. You know, it, it seems like they're pretty set right now. A lot of the lines look to be consistent. I think they're trying to build some chemistry. You got your top guys, your Kirby Docs, a lot to expect. We, we're we're going to ask Craig Button about, you know, some guys like Byfield. That you hear the rumors that he's struggling a little bit. When you're kind of looking into Team Canada right now, like what are you seeing? Are, are, I mean, obviously goaltending is a big question mark, but are you kind of pretty comfortable with them as favorites? Yeah, I mean, you should be. Everybody's like, oh, look how many first-round picks they have on the, their team. Like, this is a, an anomaly or something like that. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kirby Doc is obviously going to have to carry the weight up front. Um, but it's a 19-year-old tournament. And you look at guys who were cut last year, like Alex Newhook and Thomas Harley, who seem like they're, they're ready to go as kind of the lead guys there, too. With some of those college guys, I really wonder how much they're going to utilize New Hook, how much they're going to utilize Holloway, Levi, and Net. Because, I mean, we we've seen it with some of the best, like the Kale McCars. They they just they Hockey Canada. <laughs> I don't know if it's something. I don't want to start any rumors here, they but snub, they, they snub them. They hundred percent. They snub them. Even I thought. Do you remember Colton Point? You know, I know he hasn't had oh, such yeah. a successful pro career, but I thought he was a great goaltending option for Canada. And I get it. It's tough to be a starter, but questionable choices there. All right, moving along. WHL news. As we kind of predicted, we said, hey, you know, this is a few shows back. We're on WHL January 8th. They're going to start high hopes for that one. Obviously, it's not going to happen. They're pushing it back. Adam, if I got to give you a percentage on what the odds that we'll actually have a WHL season, what would you say right now? Uh, 15 or 20. Like, and that's with me not, like, I haven't talked to anybody about it, but it's just, 
it's hard to say. And with, uh, I think, Fauci in the States, he was saying that the next league that's going to have uh, full fans is the NFL in September. And, I mean, that's the next start of the Western Hockey League season. So I don't, I have no idea what they're going to do with draft-eligible players, this and that. But, I mean, it's it's really hard to see something something happening, unfortunately. If they take a full season off, how much is this going to hurt some of those smaller markets? Yeah, it's detrimental. Like, I mean, maybe it helps some too. Like there's, there's some that are just losing hundreds of thousands a year and this year they don't have to pay anybody with layoffs. But if you're a, a London or something like that, like you're that's 9,000 tickets for 35 games or whatever you're not selling every night plus playoffs. So It'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. So let's go to a lighter note. Okay, the Mighty Ducks. Adam, I know you're huge on the Mighty Ducks. I know you've always been into kids' movies, cartoons, this new TV show. And uh, full disclosure, I think Dylan Playford's a great actor. I thought Odd Man Rush was surprisingly one of the better movies or hockey sports movies I've seen in a long time. But this remake looks rough, to say the least. It looks terrible. And like, I... (laughs) I don't know. It's tough, right? Because I think part of the reason they're so great is because like they're so old and like you can only really make those jokes once and all that, whatever they're doing. But how many Home Alone movies are there? Like seven or eight, I think. And like the first two, great. The next five, nobody watches them. And I mean, I think it's going to be the same for the Mighty Ducks. I don't know if I've seen anything other than the first Home Alone, really. That's that's well, kind of you've seen the you've probably seen the home one and then the New York one too. I don't know the difference. What's the New York one? The New York ones where like he actually like gets on the the plane, but he takes the wrong plane. The home ones where he just like sleeps in. Oh, I think I've seen part of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a huge movie guy unless it's something funny. Like neither am I, but it's Home Alone, man. <laughs> like I've never seen Die Hard, so everyone like makes this argument. I'm just like shut up. Every single year, I got to hear about this. That's uh, a little old, but okay. Moving along from cards. Actually, did you watch the cartoon Mighty Ducks? Like um, the Wild no. Wing, like saving superhero stuff. I like maybe like a couple episodes, but never, never was into it. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know where you'd really find it. Like I don't remember as a kid. Like we never had a blockbuster at Warman, so we weren't rocking it at all. The Disney Channel Plus or whatever it is, I guess. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not with that stuff. Okay, moving along. Hockey news, though. Yearbook comes out. You got it because you and your best friend Ken just love love supporting each other. Uh, yeah. Those rankings, though. Where do we start? Well, I mean, look. I think Nathan McKinnon's great. I don't think he's better than Connor McDavid, and I think that the biggest thing is he played in the playoffs, right? Like you're you're based off your playoff performance, and everybody's going to say. It's recency bias, and it is. And I mean, and to be honest, uh, Connor McDavid doesn't have Kale McCarr snapping him up the puck, right? Like he's playing with Zach Cashian and Andreas Athanasiu, who, if anybody didn't know, he doesn't have a job right now. So that's uh, that's my thoughts on that. And then I think I, I don't have the list with me, but it was like Panarin at four and Pasternak at five and drive settle at six. Like if you're taking some five, 10 wingers over the league MVP at center, like you, you have some issues. And that's where I wonder, is there Eastern bias to that? Where maybe some of those Eastern Toronto writers, like I believe they're out of that 
greater Toronto area. Is that because they're not watching enough Leon Dreisaitl? Like, there's there's clearly no respect there for him. And even Connor McDavid, to a certain extent, although when he was in Toronto, he made a mockery of the Leafs. Yeah, that too. And then, I mean, Victor Hedman wasn't until, like, seventh or eighth on the list. He's the league's best defenseman by, I'd say, by a lot. And that's recency bias too. But, like, you'd rather him over... Or Tammy Panarin on your team for sure. Yeah, no kidding. I we're not even getting yet into the regs on this one. We'll save that for a little bit of a later show. Was there anything else in there? Like were they, were they ranking goaltenders? Did we have to to talk about your buddy uh, Bourne or what? No, I I didn't really see much much of that. Like I I remember the one that stood out. Robin Leonard was like the forty eighth best best player in the league apparently. Forty eighth best. Yeah, in their top 50 of players. I don't even know if that's good or bad at this point. Like, it seems like it's too high, but... Yeah, also a a tandem, a guy who's been a tandem goalie his the last couple of years. But yet again, when you look at a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, like, his numbers keep going down, so maybe that plays into effect of why his numbers would be higher or why his value would be higher. I also feel like Vasilevsky and Hellebuck could have been higher than, like, I think they're 15th or 20th. Like, you'd rather those guys than... No offense to Braden Point, but I think Vashlevsky is more important than to Tampa than Braden Point is. Yeah, just a, just a little bit. We'll uh, we'll give him that one. Okay. You sent out a tweet. Actually, before we do that, we've got to thank everyone who supports us throughout the season. Shout out Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, Two Your Apps, Tubmass, MyBookie.ag, promo code 120Z Sports, you know, Verbero Hockey, the best custom jerseys. Reach out to us if you want a pair. Like, there's, I mean, there's so many people to thank for helping us put on this show. I'm looking forward to another great season. A lot of cool stuff coming up, including a summer skates promo. We'll dive into that a little bit later on. But let's move back. Follow us on Twitter at World Hockey RPT. Adam brought up a good point. Who's got the best goal horn? Best goal song? These are the discussions we need to be having right now. Best goal horn? In my opinion? And in my opinion, I think it's not really goal horn, but how is the Washington Capitals not up there? Like, think back to Ovi in his prime. We're talking clutch playoff Ovi. Yeah, like the siren, that, hey? that horn siren is absolutely electric. And when it comes to songs, no one can beat Chicago. Chelsea Dagger. There's, there, there's just nothing like it. Chicago Stadium rocking when that thing's going. I mean, you think of their prime years. Kane, Taves, Sharp just lighting it up. And everyone's bopping to that. Yeah, those are good ones. I'm a I'm a big train horn guy, so LA, Winnipeg, those are those are my jams there. Montreal's is a little too high pitched and squeaky for me. Um songs. I gave a shout out to Kelowna just because it's like it just says rocket a bunch. Like that's that's what you want. Um Calgary's like personalized ones where it's Johnny Be Good and I think Sean Monaghan. I, I don't like that. It's the Money Money by Billy Idol and then like Benny and the Jets for Sam Bennett. Like those are all pretty cool. I'm not a fan of those personalized ones. That's too MLB like for me. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a fan. It's a team thing, you know, team goals. It's not individual. Don't need to cycle anyone out here. Maybe that's why the flames haven't had the success. Okay. Where do we start? What, let, I'll let you pick this one. Do we want to go to the West coast and talk about the Vancouver Canucks and all of their debacles in the past week? Or do we want to talk about all these new goaltending units that are getting formed? Uh, we can go with the goaltending one just because, I mean, 
touchy subjects talking about logos these days, apparently. But um, for the for the goalie one, all these teams like Florida just hired four new guys. Uh, Calgary just promoted one and hired, I think, two more. They got three guys in the mix, and I mean, I get the the sense behind it, but does Sergei Bobrovsky really need two or three people telling him what to do? You know, and like I, I understand the guy's going to go see Spencer Knight and then be at development camp and then work with Bobrovsky. But like, how many guys do you need telling one goalie to stop the puck, right? I think that's fair. And I think that your point that you made, although it came off a little, not even harsh, like I, I understand that goalies of all ages need help and want coaching. But where's this development in the minors where it should be? You know, why are these players not grooving the goalies of the future? When you take a, take a team like the Calgary Flames, for example, who just released theirs, bringing in Jacob Marks from, okay, that's cool. But is that the guy you want to be spending all your time and resources on when three, four years down the road, he might not even be the starter of the team. He might not even be on the team. What they've drafted so many goaltenders who should, who everyone was so high on. You think about, you know, is that Parsons kid out of London? You got Mason McDonald, John Gillies. You know, these are like solid goaltenders. You even had a tournament like the World Juniors. And what have they done? What have they become? Where was their development? How, what failed? Why is this, these teams, tandems, goaltending formations not formed for the prospects of the future? Groom your own goaltender. That's how it works. Carey Price, Andre Vasilevsky, Carter Hart. You know, these are these are guys who are groomed through their own system. They're drafted and they're picked up that way. Not you, you rarely trade for a Stanley Cup champion in net. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think by hiring all these goaltending people, I kind of worry about like if there's a difference in philosophy, like if you look at Calgary and you look at Jordan Sigalette and Jason LaBarbera, they're working together. And what if LaBarbera thinks that Markstrom should be playing, like just for an example, like more like deeper into his net and Sigalette's like, no, I want him at the top of his creation. Like like who who tells who what, who has final say? Like, And all these guys have, have played goalie, obviously, or like know the position, but there's a lot of different ways to, to tell people what to do. Okay, I'm sure that they're talking before. They're not just giving them 17 different options, but that's fair. Okay, we got we to talk about the jerseys because I got to get my two cents out here, and I'm not going to go on a crazy rant. I just got to say, I thought I had the tweet of the year. I mean, how long until we have hockey teams without names? And I said over under 2024. I thought that was the best tweet I've ever sent out, but people were not so receptive. Like, I, I, I get it. If there are these discussions, and I mean, you bring up the Cleveland Indians who are going to be changing their team name, nickname, at what point do they start going almost soccer style where it's just the Vancouver hockey team, you know, the, the Vancouver hockey club? Like, at what point do they just kind of fully rebrand and say everything's traced back to something that, some social justice warrior isn't going to be happy with. There's so many things, you know, think about, you know, the, the, the LA Kings. Oh, well, I'm sure there was some Kings in the back, back in the day who did some pretty scummy stuff. Are we just going to throw them under the bus here? Like it's just getting to a point where I get it. If there is serious concern, if there's serious consultation done, you know, you think of the Edmonton Eskimos who are going to be changing their name, the Washington Redskins who have changed their name. If there's serious conversations had and there are, you know, indigenous peoples and, you know, 
there's those conversations that have a problem. I'm fine with that. You know, my biggest issue is who do you see have a problem with it? You know, it's your stereotypical white kid on Twitter who, you know, just wants to go and run his mouth. That's, that's my issue with it. Yeah. Um, not to touch on this too much, obviously <laughs> just with the crowds and everything, but I remember we were in uh we were in North Dakota. We got a tour of their, their facility there, the Ralph. And it was, I think it was the summer that they actually changed their name from the, the suit of the Hawks or whatever. And the, we were talking to the one guy there who, who was high up with the program. And he said, he goes, actually like when, when we were named this too, like we had a smudge ceremony. It was like a, a peace offering that we were going to be named after the, like the Sioux or whatever. And like it was, it was it's not like a, a racial term. It's that they like had like a peace offering to, I agree to name their team that, you know? Yeah. It's like a, it's a historical thing. A lot of the times it's, you know, it's kind of representing your history. And when you think of the Chicago Blackhawks too, who are named after chief Blackhawk, I do believe, you know, there, there, there's some history there. I, there was never the intent for disrespect as long as their stories, you know, add up and, that's that's my only issue. Okay, before we get to commercial break here, we got Craig Button coming up. But summer skates, they are hooking us up. Adam, I know you saw this one. And I don't know if you've worn a pair of summer skates before. Maybe we'll have to get you on uh, snapped over to Sask. Comfiest, comfiest flops in the game. Summer skates is hooking them up. Custom World Hockey Report stuff. And we're going to do something new. But we're keeping the old as well. So we always got the World Hockey Report OT Challenge. You already know what that is. You already love it. You've probably got a bunch of shirts and hats from us from doing that. Adam's looking for his dog right now. (laughs) So he's charge my laptop. Canada goes to overtime. You pick the winner before overtime starts. Use hashtag WHROT Challenge. He gets to win a six set of flops, maybe a koozie. They'll hook you up. But also, they're like, hey, let's take this one step further. World Hockey Report first goal. Team Canada's games. Before the game starts, use that hashtag, WHR first goal. Tweet out who you think gets the first goal. And if Canada opens the scoring, they got to score first. You're going to be entered to win some sick swag. Thanks to our friends over at Summer Skates. Alrighty, let's head off to commercial. Adam Ermichaud, Cody Jansen with you. Craig Buttons after the break. It's World Hockey Report on 12-ounce sports. Zingo TV, channel 761. It's so we'll Hawk Airport Live. Cody Jansen, Adam Urban Trout with you from the great Western Prairies. Join now TSN's finest, Craig Button, the scouting guru, one of the best world juniors insiders in the game. Craig, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Glad you could uh, hop on here. Sorry about uh, a little bit of confusion. We want to pick your brain, though. World Juniors, obviously, it's TSN's finest. Craig Button here. Canada's goaltending. We just gave our two cents on it. I mean, you got two Western League kids. You got Taylor Goche, a righty. You know, been passed up on a couple of drafts. And then you've got a little bit of an unknown. Uh, you know, Levi coming in as a college goaltender, a freshman. You know, is that Canada's biggest question mark right now? Well, every team is going to go into the tournament uh, with, you know, some areas that uh, uh, leave you, uh, you know, with question marks. I I think that the goaltending for Canada is solid and dependable and reliable. And I think all three of the goaltenders, Taylor Goche, Dylan Garand, and Devin Levi, are more than capable of uh, doing their job and doing what they need to do to help this team compete for a gold medal. If we go back to last year and we think about the summer camp, Nico Dawes and Joel Hoffer were not there. Then they ended up on the team and Nico Dawes started and uh, Joel Hoffer uh, took over the number one position and, you know, led Canada 
uh, to the gold medal and was named the best goaltender in the tournament. You know, Canada has a real opportunity to evaluate their goaltending through their pre-two tourney games and their three games prior to playing Finland on New Year's Eve. Taylor Gauthier was part of the Alinka Gretzky gold medal winning team uh, in Edmonton. Dylan Garand has uh, performed for Team Canada. Uh, Canada ended up losing the gold medal game in the Holinka gretzky in 2019. Yaroslav Askarov stood on his head because Canada really dominated that game. And Devin Levi, I mean, he's the junior A player of the year last year and a, a, a very known player. And, you know, the public may not know these players or they might not have a lot of public notoriety, but Hockey Canada knows these players. And they're all more than competent and capable of doing what they need to do to help Canada compete for the gold. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who who takes the starting job. Craig, I want to actually ask you about players that aren't here. So Kirby Doc's going to play for Canada. He was probably the best player out of the 2019 draft, but Jack Hughes isn't. He had two five-on-five goals last year. Capo Caco was a minus 26, and Nick Robertson was supposed to be, but apparently he had to go to Leafs training camp to beat out Pierre Engvall and Jimmy Beast. He was on his third team in three years. And then the second part of the question is Simon Edmonton and William Eklund did not make Sweden. Couldn't they have at least like brought those guys on for experience, kind of like a ninth or 13th four type thing? Well, let me start with Sweden. William Eklund was ineligible because he had a positive COVID test. So based on the protocols for the World Junior Tournament, uh, you know, was ineligible to play once he tested positive for COVID. He would have been on the team if he didn't test positive. Simon Edmondson, he's a young player. This tournament is not about the future. This is not about gaining experience. It's about finding the players that can play for 10 days to get you to a gold medal game and help you win the gold medal. That's all it's about. That's all it's ever about. And, you know, you don't bring players to get experience. This is not what this tournament is about. So Simon Edmondson is a, is a very, very talented young defenseman. And he will have his opportunity, but this is a very, very good Swedish defense. And, you know, the Swedes in the 2001 uh, age group with Philip Broberg, Victor Soderstrom, and Tobias Bjornfot, they won the U18 gold medal. And, uh, I mean, they're they're more than a competent group uh, to come back in this tournament and and, and compete. Uh, You know, they, they missed some players, but that's okay. They still have really, really good talent all the way through uh, their lineup. And, you know, just because uh, Edmondson isn't here, it doesn't take away. Helga Grand isn't here either. He was uh, he was a late cut. And, I mean, he's more than capable of being here. But, you know, you start to look at, at, at a very, very good team that's, that's going to be more than capable of competing, uh, you know, at, with the best teams. You know, when we go to uh, the U.S., Kirby Dock, Capocacco, and Jack Hughes, None of them made an impact on the rosters last year up until the pause. None of them. Not, not one of them made a difference in, in the lineup. Kirby Doc, after having four months off, came back, called it the offseason. He, he was terrific. He came back for Chicago. He was terrific. And you would expect that with a second-year player, uh, you know, coming back after having the benefit of the year. But he was no different than Kako or Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes and, you know, Kako had a little bit of an opportunity uh, coming back with Kako, Jack Hughes had none, but but they're they're all young players. I, I think that all of them would have benefited by playing in the World Junior Tournament. And the fact that Jack hasn't played, Jack Hughes hasn't played since last March, uh, I think that it would be a real benefit for him. Kako only had three games since last March. And you look at Kirby, who's come in and said, hey, I, 
I want to take advantage of this opportunity. The Chicago Blackhawks have embraced that. And I think it'll be tremendous for Kirby, not only to play in this tournament, but for his long-term development and the development after. And quite frankly, I think that's where Toronto's completely missed the boat. And, you know, I have no hesitancy in saying that. If you're focusing in on a training camp with a young player like Nick Robertson, and he is now not having the opportunity to go and compete in a best-on-best tournament against all the best players in his age group, which will help his development immediately, short-term, mid-term, and long-term. I think the Leafs missed that. And to your point earlier about uh, competing for, he would come back after playing in this tournament and be ready to compete for a spot on their team. So, you know, uh, I I get that Nick Robertson, uh, you know, carries on and says, I want to play in the NHL. You want to be a player that can really benefit from this opportunity for a long period of time. I'm not going to suggest he's going to be a lesser player, but it's an opportunity lost. And I think that that's, that's something that, uh, you know, uh, is, is part of the short-sightedness of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. I think it's a big punch to the gut for Robertson if the Leafs put him on the taxi squad, if he's not even playing in those top four lines. I think that's where the big concern comes. TSN's Craig Button with us here. Cody Jansen, Adam Urban Trout with you on 12-ounce sports. Now, I want to ask, the WHL and the OHL haven't even got started. The Q kind of did, and college hockey seems to be rolling. So with this tournament right now and the potential that we might not even have a WHL or OHL season, how many eyes are going to be on this tournament? I mean, are GM scouts going to be watching every single second here and consuming as much of this as possible? Because for a few of those draft eligible and even the prospects, you know, this could be the only chance they might see some of them till next year, next season. Well, I would say that not only are they going to watch every second, they're going to watch it time and time again with video. I mean, there's no NHL teams uh, uh, that are permitted into the uh, arena. I mean, that's just part of the protocols. And so they're going to be watching closely. Every game is televised right around the world. So everybody's going to be watching it. And then they're going to be pouring over the video and going over and over and over. Because that's what you have to do. Interesting for me. And I, I, I think that people have to start thinking about this and start discussing it and, and perhaps preparing for it. Is that if the WHL doesn't play and the OHL doesn't play and we have leagues shutting down all over the world, that you don't have a draft in 2021. You, put, you roll it all into 2022. Now, that requires a tremendous amount of collaboration between the NHL and the NHLPA and, and everything because you'll hear about this player could play in the NHL next year and you're forgetting that chance. But there is a real scenario here where the 2021 draft gets rolled into two drafts in 2022 because do you want to go start drafting players that you haven't seen or you haven't seen for a year or you haven't seen for 15 months? Because that very well could be the case with a lot of players that don't have the chance to play. And two games here and three games here, when you're looking at 17-year-old players that are turning 18 and are going to be a big part of your future, I, I, I think that that's something that needs to be discussed because, you know, uh, you know, we know that there's always uncertainty with the draft and because you, you, you are dealing with 17- and 18-year-old players that have a lot of maturity ahead of them. But when you haven't had the opportunity to evaluate them and evaluate that over a period of time, Tell you what, there's even greater uncertainty, and I don't think teams want to add uncertainty to to, to their rosters. And Craig, just lastly, quickly here, um, Quinton Byfield. A lot's been made about his his selection camp and and how he's played. What's what's been your view of him? I mean, he's a six four center with a lot of skill, and just what do you expect from him this tournament? Well, Quinton. I mean, a couple of things that I would say about Quinton. Number one, he hasn't played a game since last March, but in the meantime, what Quinton did was go and work and work off the ice and work on 
you know, trying to become stronger and, you know, doing the things that would prepare him for an NHL training camp, which is what you would expect every player to do. And Quinn did exactly that. But when you don't have the opportunity to play and you don't have an opportunity to, to, to carry that weight and to see how it works and, you know, kind of sharpen the saw, you know, you're going to, you're going to have some, uh, a little bit of rust, uh, so to speak. And, you know, th- then you add in the fact that Quinton came into the camp two days late and everybody had a, a little bit of a jump on him. And, you know, so he, he comes in and he's determined, he's competitive, he's always going to be that. But he, he, he just was a little bit behind. So you're a little bit behind for a couple of days. Does that mean you're not a good player? No, it doesn't mean you're not a good player. But the facts are the facts. He was behind. And he was, you know, trying to, uh, find a way to keep up. I, I think that the quarantine with respect to, uh, you know, all players being in the same situation and coming out of it, you know, now gives everybody kind of an equal footing to come out. And by all accounts, Quentin is taking that time, taking the time back on in the ice, feels a lot more comfortable and it, it, it is ready to be the player that I think he's capable of being and that I know that he's determined to be. I think the last year he had a very small part on the gold medal winning team. I think you can count on him uh, having a bigger part of this team this year. And you know what? Like uh, there's other good players here. It's not all going to be on his shoulders, but I think that Quinton will find his way uh, to be a, a, a real productive player at this year's tournament. Okay, Craig, last, last question. I know Adam said that one, but okay. So team Russia, I, th- I think very highly of them just from watching them at the Cardiac cup, but how much, of a benefit has it been for them coming into this tournament that they've been playing this year? They've been playing in the KHL, the VHL, the MHL. They've had the Cardiac Cup. I mean, are they the most prepped and ready team in your opinion? Well, a couple things I'll say about that is that yeah, I, certainly there's benefits for for Russia to to have all of all of those opportunities this year, and and, and certainly it, it can serve them well. And you know that that, that is something that is a positive, but. The, the teams in Europe, they have a long, long history of, and I'm talking about this age group, of playing together, playing in international tournaments throughout the course of the year. They know each other. They play together. And so whether it's Finland, whether it's the Czechs, whether it's Sweden, Russia, so they play together. And so they, they have the benefit of, of the preparations that go on through their uh, national team programs over the course of time. Now, you know, you come in, you haven't played for a period of time. You know, Canada's camp was very competitive. The U.S. camp was competitive. And, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to play pre-tourney games. Then you're going to have an opportunity to play in your four group stage games. And and really what you're trying to do is get ready for January 2nd. Now, for other countries that are competing not to be in the relegation round, or you know, you can talk about seeding, but you're trying to get better. It, it, you know, there's no, there's no, there's nothing that's going to be detrimental by losing your first game or losing your second game. But what you want to do is is get uh, continuously work on your game. Finland and Vancouver in 2019, Victoria, Vancouver, they just kept getting better. They weren't great in the group stage, but you could see them getting better. You could see them getting more comfortable. The coach working on different uh, uh, pairings on the blue line and different uh, line combinations. They ended up winning the gold medal because they just kept getting better. And that's the idea of this tournament. And I think that all the countries have, have that opportunity to do that with the time period they have. And 
you know, there's a lot of familiarity with the, with, with the group of players that are representing what I would call the, the hockey powers. Now, to your point about Russia, you should like Russia. Russia's a darn good team. I think they in Canada emerge as the, as, the, as the two favorites to compete for the gold medal. Sweden and USA, Finland, maybe just a little bit behind, but behind. And Russia, their blue line is outstanding. Their goaltender is outstanding. And they have a forward group that's not only going to be able to score, but really be able to hold the puck and play hard and keep the puck away from you and make life, uh, you know, real challenging. So, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be uh, not surprised uh, to see Russia and Canada playing on January 5th for the gold medal. But by that time, I think Canada will have all the benefits of playing and whatever Russia's benefits were in playing up to this point won't matter at that point. Craig, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the tournament. Thanks, Craig. I will. Thanks, you guys. Chris Peters, after the break, it's World Hockey Report live, coming to you on 12-Ounce Sports Ingo TV, channel 761. It's World Hockey Report live, Cody Jansen, Adam Ehrmantrell with you. World Juniors sneaking up on us. Huge thanks to Craig Button for taking the time. Now we're going to snap it down to the state's ESPN's Chris Peters. NHL prospect writer. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking the time. Now, the, there's there's a few things I want to get into, and I mean, there's there's some big news with the whole NHL network, and we're going to get to that. But we got to start off with Nick Robertson. I mean, how impactful is this? You know, with him not playing on Team USA this year, and was he a lock to be a captain on the team or the captain? Sorry. Um, I don't know if he was locked to be the captain, but he certainly, I, yeah, I think there was a good chance he was going to be wearing a letter uh, based on the way that he played last year. I mean, you know, the things that he brings to the table beyond the goal scoring is just, the, you know, the absolute work ethic and, and, and tenacity that that you see and, and you can kind of play him in so many different situations. And it definitely hurts, you know, and, and that's, that's compounded by the fact that the U.S. also lost John Beecher, who would have been a returnee uh, to a positive COVID test. And then his, his roommate was Thomas Bortolo who was in line to probably be Team USA's number three center in this tournament based on the way that he's played at the University of Michigan. So, you know, you, you're basically losing a full line from your top nine right there, you know, and so that's that's a, that's a tough thing to recover from um, when you're looking at things. I, I think I think Robertson probably would have played with uh, uh, Bortolo and maybe Bobby Brink um, based on the way the lines were kind of drawn up, or maybe you would have been with Cole Caulfield. You really don't know. Uh, because he never was in camp uh, and, and was kind of self-quarantining. But yeah, it, it hurts for sure. And, and I think the U.S. is, is going to miss his presence and, and miss the scoring depth that they that they lost with uh, a few of those guys. Chris, I want to ask you about last year's tournament where there's a lot of hype about all the players the Americans had drafted. And I think it was a bit of a dip- disappointment for them. I mean, Trevor Zegers was great last year, but Caulfield and Turcotte really struggled. And is there like kind of a chip on their shoulders this year, would you say, to, to come back and dominate? I think there is, you know, and, and I think particularly Turcotte realized, you know, that that he put a little bit too much pressure on himself going into that tournament. And he had been kind of struggling throughout the year at, at Wisconsin, um, you know, and obviously the the number five draft pick, you know, like that's that's that weighs on a guy sometimes. And I think that he's been able to get his mind right from that. And, and he wants to come back and he's going to be Team USA's top center at this tournament, you know, and he's going to have an opportunity to play with Zegris and, and, and maybe Arthur Kaliev, who's a, a fellow Kings prospect. That's been one of the lines that's been utilized in, in camp. So that's got a, you know, a chance to be really nasty if, uh, if they get rolling and then, you know, Caulfield as well, he's just, he, he just loves scoring goals. And when he's not scoring goals, he's not happy. And I thought 
last year that the that that he needed a little more help uh, than than he was being given to get going. I mean, there were different lines that they tried, but the one thing that you know, Trevor Zegers had nine primary assists last year, eight primary assists, whatever it was, and and never once played with Cole Caulfield and in, in an even strength situation. So. You know, when, when you got a guy that's dishing like that, and you can't, you know, you, and you've got a goal scorer that's struggling, I was I was always surprised that they never tried to get Caulfield with with somebody that was going to be able to get him the puck. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Caulfield plays here, just because he's been carrying the puck quite a bit more at Wisconsin this year, and I think part of that's because you know he doesn't necessarily have a, a, a dynamic playmaking center. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't have Turcotte with him uh, anymore at the University of Wisconsin, but it's working for Caulfield. I'll be interested to see if he carries the puck as much in this tournament. He's much better when he's freed up for the shot and kind of has his spots in the ice and, um, you know, can get his shot off from pretty much anywhere. So those, those are things I'll be watching, but absolutely those two guys are in particular are ready for uh, an improved tournament. Now I'd be reminisced if I didn't ask ESPN, Chris Peters, our guest here on world hockey report, Montana <coughs> special place in my heart. And now you got a high draft pick, Jake Sanderson there sends, how good is he? Like, do, do, is he a little, you know, in Canada, everyone talks about Drysdale, right? Now we got Sanderson to watch. I mean, walk me through what you like about his game. I mean, I think it's just, he's, he's one of the most gifted all around defensemen. I mean, in terms of skating ability, defending, you know, his offensive game has been underrated. I think he's got plenty of skill and, and, um, you know, he, he had three points right off the hop with, with uh, the university of North Dakota this year. Um, you know, didn't put up big numbers last year on a very low scoring U.S. national under 18 team. Um, and I, I just think that what he does well is is pretty much everything. Um, his hockey sense is high. His skating is elite. Um, his defending is elite. So, you know, the, having a guy like that that you can pretty much put in any situation and go up against top lines and, and go out in, in, in need, need to score situations you know, that's, that's a versatile player. So I think he's, you know, the odds on favorite to be the most utilized defenseman for team USA in this tournament. Um, you know, I think that he could be, be easily to be the number one guy who, who can play matchups. You know, he's, he's been paired with drew Hellison in their camp and Hellison's more of a, a shutdown kind of defenseman, but he, you know, he can make plays too. Um, and that would free Sanderson up a little bit more offensively where he doesn't have to be the, the primary focus uh, of being the defenseman and, and defending. So, uh, I, I think that this is a, a breakout tournament for him. I think this is an opportunity to show show why he went number five overall, why he went ahead of Drysdale. And I think both of those guys are, are really, really close in terms of the value that they can provide over the course of their career. I just think that Sanderson gives you a little more defensive value um, and in a, a more physical game, which helps him to, to kind of separate himself from the pack. So, I mean, the Senators weren't the only team that had Sanderson ahead of Drysdale at the draft last year. I think many teams did. Um, and now he's going to have an opportunity to really show that and, and why that was. Chris, where's this tournament at uh, in the United States as far as like TV viewership? Every year it seems like all our Twitter followers are going crazy about them not being able to get the right games and stuff like that. And the last three tournaments in the States have been in two in Buffalo and one in Grand Forks. And I don't think you guys host again until 2025. And is that like a Pittsburgh Philly thing? Is that a Boston? Like, are, are they going to start branching into major cities and growing the tournament? I I'm rooting for Tampa, so that's my I'm rooting. <laughs> that's <laughs> in Tampa. Uh, <laughs> I think I think you're going to see a pretty a pretty wide open bid process for that that next one and uh, Tampa, Vegas, you know Arizona. I think you get all the some warm weather places that are going to get involved. Um, and I think USA Hockey learned its lesson that just by putting it in Buffalo, it doesn't mean it's going to be a success because the last tournament was poorly attended. 
in Buffalo. And that was a, that was a huge disappointment. Um, I think there was a little bit of world junior fatigue in Southern Ontario as well. Uh, not wanting to cross the border. And I was in Buffalo and it was, it was viciously cold. So I am all about Tampa at this point, but anyway, get, you know, going back to the, the initial question and, you know, I think it's hard to know the viewership. Um, I do know, you know, like the, the NHL network isn't really rated. So it's hard to see like how many people are actually watching, um, you know, and NHL network at this point is, is, is not on every streaming service. Like, you know, like I have YouTube TV, so I'm gonna have to get a different streaming service to watch the tournament this year, um, which I'm going to do because I'm a sick person, but you know, and that that's, you know, and obviously, you know, American journalists can't go if you're U S based, you can't go to the tournament live. So, um, I have to watch the, the games on TV this year. So, uh, but but it also, you know, the interest in the tournament has grown substantially when I started. You know, I, I started a blog about 10 years ago for the strict purpose of giving the World Juniors more coverage in the United States. And I figured, you know, I'd worked at USA Hockey for a few years, so I figured that I could provide some insight. And what I've seen over the years, it's certainly not because of that blog, but just because the, the games are on TV. You know, NHL Network has had the rights for several years now and have put, you know, every U.S. game on. Um, and then you've had the important moments like John Carlson winning in 2010. That, that Please don't bring that up. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> 2013, you know, like that, that was an early morning, uh, you know, but people were, they were opening bars uh, for the, the gold medal game. And that was in Ufa, Russia. They were opening bars at like four in the morning for people, um, you know, so it was kind of amazing to see see that. And then, in, it, you know, really it crested with the 2017, the Troy Terry uh, shootout game. Um, where, you know, they, they actually NHL decided to put that game on, on a live stream on NHL.com in addition to being on NHL network. And that was the only thing that people were talking about in sports Twitter, not just hockey Twitter, but sports Twitter in the United States. You had all the big journalists were like, this is amazing because the game was accessible and people were able to see it. And then the U S won, which made it, you know, a, a celebratory kind of vibe on Twitter that night. And, and I think that that was a viral moment for, uh, for the tournament um, in the U.S., but really it, they haven't been able to capitalize on that momentum, um, and so that's what we're you know we're certainly hoping now where there's the only hockey going on that's that's of a, of that standard is the World Junior. So this is a real opportunity to to make some new fans of this tournament, and, and I think grow it further uh, just because it's it's one of the uh, primary viewing options if you want to watch hockey right now. Well, Chris, you're first. I've never heard of anyone actually paying for YouTube TV. So I'll give that, I'll, I'll tip my hat to you there. Okay, I got 30 seconds for you, though, and I want you to walk me through Spencer Knight here. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's too much buzz around him, but is he not one of the best goaltenders, if not the best in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I've got to tip my hat to, to Yaroslav Askarov as being the number one, but I think number two is certainly Spencer Knight, and 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 that he's, he's very close. I mean, I think that the way that he's played for Boston College this year um, shows that he's completely locked in. He's ready to go. Um, and, and that's that's what we come to expect from him. He's one of the most technically sound goaltenders and, and easily one of the smartest goalies that I've, I've kind of had the, the chance to analyze and also you know speak with. And, and he's such a student of the game. The, the thing that he has to prove at this point is he's had a couple of big moments where the U.S. ended up losing and it wasn't his fault. He just, you know, usually it was because he gave he let in one goal and the other goal he didn't let in any. Um, and that, that was the difference. And, and so, you know, he's going to give them a chance and, and he, he needs to show that he can win those big games. I think that's the one element that we haven't quite seen just yet where 
you know, he, he can come through and win those, those games. And, uh, and uh, as I mentioned, it's not always his fault. So, but yeah, but I think Spencer Knight is, is an outstanding goaltender. I think he's going to uh, have a big tournament and uh, really is a, is a top end prospect in the goaltending pool for sure. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy the tournament. All right. You guys as well. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Chris. ESPN's Chris Peters right there on World Hockey Report. Hope you enjoyed it. We got two of the best, Craig Button, Chris Peters on World Hockey Report. We're always hitting up the best guests for you. Adam Urban Trail as well in Saskatchewan. Bringing the heat as always. Looking good with the new background. We'll get it figured out. We're rocking. We're rolling. Shout out to James, our new producer. We're coming in hot. We'll get that schedule out on Twitter. Be sure to follow us at World Hockey RPT. Until next week, everyone. Alrighty. Be kind. Be better.